Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. This is Brian with me as always, our Vincent Zach. We're going to be talking about the second week's issues, uh, second rather round of issues for uh, DC 1 million. We've been taking these books, uh, we're taking the whole event uh, as, as a whole, and so we're doing three weeks of episodes, and this week we're talking about DC 1 million number three, Batman, Catwoman, Robin, Young Justice, Green Arrow, Legionnaires, Azrael, Chase, Creeper, Wonder Woman, Power of Shazam, and The Flash. All those are number one million. So, Zach, you are steering the ship for today, so go right ahead. Yeah, man, this was a weird batch of books, um, yeah. which we'll get into. But we start off with the big one, uh, I guess, with DC 1 million number three, written by Morrison, illustrated by Val Simix. Um this chapter picks up again with uh, the Hitler references, which DC seems to be pretty big on in the 90s, um, with uh, Vandal Savage digging up these tanks that he had, that uh, I guess he had, um, no, he didn't help. He just knew about them. Um, these tanks that Hitler had buried. Um, and so for some reason, that's what he gets to go on his rampage. Um at the same time, the Justice Legion Alpha is um, up in the satellite trying to reconstruct Solaris using um, modern, or I guess, ancient present, technology. Yeah, yeah. present technology. Um, and in doing so, they kind of come up against the. Um, well, they they've already you know had it out, had the the superhero battling with the. Um, I guess like lesser tier Justice League characters. I don't say that to like do them, uh, you know, a, a misjustice here. But um, th- this is um, kind of, you know, a carryover from the JLA one million issue. Um, we get Batman uh, confronting Starman over his betrayal. Um, at the same time, we cut back to the Atom and Oracle who so uh the justice league are trying to fight the iron man virus by reconstituting solaris while the atom is trying to figure out a way to stop the virus from inside people's bodies he's trying to find a cure which it it seems like he does but then it ends up not amounting to very much at all uh by the end of the issue (laughs) i guess which is kind of I, i this issue to me seemed very i don't i don't want to say disappointing yeah yeah i it feel yeah it's it's a weird issue it's like the most inconsequential no not necessarily inconsequential but it there's a lot of overlap yeah it moves everything along but there's nothing really yeah. new in the issue right yeah right yeah it it almost yeah it it it, it almost closes off certain things as a threat and opens up other ones, you know, which is something that we, it's something that we've seen like invasion do. We've seen uh, crisis on infinite earths do that. And this is kind of 1 million's turn to kind of uh, turn its eye towards what the, the, the true final boss is going to be. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> so we uh, cut to, um, back to vandal savage um who is uh being resisted by martian manhunter 
Um, and the Titans gang, uh, who, uh, who we had from the first issue, um, Red Arrow, Tempest, Jesse Quick, Supergirl, um, which I don't know if we were like really talked about much in that first issue is like a pretty cool Titans team, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to see them see like more things with those characters together it's interesting because like all of their costumes are red um which feels like a like penciler's dream to do like themed you know like costume redesigns or something i don't know that would be fun um they they seem to get a leg up on vandal savage but he catches uh red arrows incendiary arrow and and blows it up which kind of you know allows him to escape um which which lets him go on to the future which we've seen um the justice league are successful in recreating solaris and this kind of going back to what i mentioned about the the adam's role being a little moot um Solaris cures every one of the virus by reabsorbing it, um, which I guess was kind of part of the plan. He he reabsorbs the virus and I guess becomes essentially the the future Solaris in the present. Um, is, that's kind of how I read it. Is that what how you guys took it as well? Something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, something like that. That like he, this was like his programming or whatever sent back into the past as the virus. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, so it seems like he has won. You know, he uh, he he's his big bad solar robot self, and um, we uh, we get uh, Starman, who after talking with Batman has a change of heart and decides to sacrifice himself. Uh, to destroy this Solaris in the past and uh, seemingly uh, sacrifices himself in the process. Uh, I'm kind of interested to hear Brian talk about this a little bit more and maybe how, if it influences the Starman series um, in any way. Um, but before before we get to that, the issue kind of wraps up um, with Superman saying that, uh, that he can maybe tap into the, the energy from... Uh, that they used to make Solaris to punch through the time barrier. And then uh, Huntress says she has an idea of how to save the future, and that's where the issue ends. Before we get into the Starman stuff, uh, do you guys think that this issue... I know you said, uh, Zach, it's kind of like a transitional issue, but do you do you feel that this issue... Oh lives up to the first two issues or does this feel like a real like you know uh slog of, compared to the first two i wouldn't call it a slog but i don't think it holds up to the first the first two issues that's how i feel about it. i don't think it's a slog i think it's i think it's kind of breezy actually but mm-hmm. um yeah but i think compared to the first two it's it's less meaty and it's more transitional and uh, without tipping my hand or spoiling anything for the for the the last episode that we'll do on one million, the fourth episode gets so nutty. Or episode issue. Oh, so you you read ahead? Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So I've I've read the fourth issue, and it's so nutty compared to this that, yeah, this this it's just it's simply a plain transitional issue of a event comic. Very yeah. mid mid level. So. Um, one thing I did, uh, I was looking at my notes and I noticed, um, and I meant to double check this because I may be misremembering, but I think I noticed a continuity error here, um, where Starman says that his father was the Starman before him, but I think the Starman issue said it was his mother. I believe you're right about that. Yeah. Mm. Which is kind of kind of weird i mean it's a very very small thing but you like morrison is usually very on top of that well, kind of thing there's so. another continuity error in the bat issues that follow us which is that okay. in the Ro- i didn't catch that it's again it's tiny in the robin issue batman gets to the boom suit and says like where should i go and robin says the justice league's headquarters is orbiting jupiter Whereas in the Batman issue, he says he he already knows that. Mm. So again, these are just very small continuity errors, and I guess these are the type of things that probably happen when an event is trying to run on time. Yeah, you know. Hey, yeah. As as long as we're on these lines, can I bring up something that I read uh, between the last episode we did and today? Sure, go off about yeah. that. So right now, Dan Jurgens was writing the Superman books, right? like in the actual DCU. Mm -hmm. He apparently did a script for Superman 1 million that DC tossed out because it didn't, it didn't follow uh, whatever sort of story Morrison and company wanted to tell in 1 million closely enough. And apparently he refused to fix his script and he later gave an interview you can find the you can find pieces of the interview online and, and the quotes are pretty strong where he says something like, you know, what DC did to me in my script, I would never do that to another writer if I were an editor. Uh, and something like Grant wanted to write the entire event and so there was no room for me to write my own story. Um, so I ab- he basically abdicated writing anything for the event because he wouldn't make any alterations to the script he did. Um, whereas uh, Chuck Dixon, who wrote like four issues of books across this uh, event, had sort of the similar things to say about Morrison and, and just the, the level of oversight and the type of writing he was doing. But Dixon, on the other hand, was like fine doing that type of work for a month. So I think it was really interesting um, to see the different perspectives and to to hear how the event was run compared to others. You know, it it sounds like Grant really had um, like script level input on every book. And so that that makes this even more surprising that we're finding these little continuity errors. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Which, again, they are kind of like pretty small things. Um, But um, yeah, it was interesting. You know, it's interesting to think about the issues like we had mentioned last week that the only non Morrison penned issue in the collection was the Starman issue. 
And that feels so much like a piece of the Starman ongoing that it's interesting to me to hear that Morrison was so sort of territorial over this stuff because that really feels like Robinson doing Robinson. So I, mm-hmm. I, I wonder how that fits into all of this. You know, was it just that he and Morrison, that, that Robinson and Morrison had like, you know, an in-depth conversation about this and so Robinson knew exactly what he wanted to go with or did Morrison just trust Robinson more than he trusted, you know, Jurgens in this case? Or, you know, it's, it's, just, it's interesting to think about how certain things line up when you know that there's that there's that tension there. Yeah, yeah. Um, going going back to Starman, was there much of an impact in the main book with this uh, the fallout of this issue? I don't believe so. Again, it's it's been a number of years since I've read all of Starman, um, but. I'm trying to couch this in a way that won't spoil anything for anybody. <laughs> um, but the idea of legacy wrestling with being your own person is a constant theme in Starman. And there is some stuff with Ted Knight that comes up in a little while that feels like it's somewhat of a response to this but it's never like overtly said okay um there there is there is a lot of um i'm not gonna say anything else that's fine (laughs) i really want you guys to read starman i don't want to spoil anything so oh i really want to i i will at some point um well anything else to say about dc one million number three I have got one more. Okay. I've got this week's Grant Morrison line of the week. Okay. Okay. This isn't a direct quote because I didn't I didn't write the whole thing out in my notes, but it's 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 mostly the quote. Two Face Two was finally cured when the second Batman proved to him that he'd made more good choices than bad ones in his life. Logic. <laughs> that's a good one. That is a really good one. That's that, that's so more that's like Arkham Asylum level. Morrison. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to say about the Jurgens thing before I forgot was just I wonder if Jurgens is just I I can't think of two writers that are less similar than Jurgens and Morrison. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just that Jurgens script not only didn't hew close to what Morrison wanted, maybe it just wasn't fitting with the tone of the event. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really picture what a Jurgens penned Superman 1 million would be like probably a lot like his Batman Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh boy. Um, oh boy. And but I, I do wonder like there's 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 a 1 million issue we're going to talk about tonight that could not be less inconsequential if it tried. Yeah. And so I wonder if because he was writing Superman that that's part of the issue as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the I, I was gonna say some of these are much more um, relevant to the overarching plot, and uh, others are just kind of like fun one-offs. Which in some cases the one-offs are some of the most enjoyable ones, in other cases not so much. But we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, 
But first off, we do have uh, kind of akin to the three-parters that we had in the Superman books and the Bat Family books last week. We have another Batman-centric three-parter um, that starts off in Batman 1 million, written by Doug Minch, uh, illustrated by Yvel Gichet. Is that Gichet? I'm not sure how you sure. pronounce their name. They're, they are still... I still see that name a lot these days. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're a pretty consistent fill-in artist uh, on books. Um, but whereas the tie-ins that we talked about last week were primarily set in the present day, a lot of the ones that we're going to talk about today are in the 853rd century. And that's the case with this one. We get to find out just what Bruce's uh, spirit is doing in the future. Um, he wakes up on Pluto in the Batcave, or not in the Batcave, actually, because that's an important plot point, but he wakes up in Pluto uh, inside the planet um, and meets Robin the Toy Wonder, um, which, is which is a great character. Multobane right there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Can we also say that at, at this point, can we officially declare DC One Million the punniest event? I feel like oh, yeah. there are so many, like, there's the Grod child we meet later. There's yep. the Mon Elves. There's the yep. Toy Wonder. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about that Legion issue. <laughs> you know, um, so it's just, it's the punniest uh, event we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So we we find out a couple of important things here. We find out that uh, Bruce's spirit um, is possessing a clone of the future Batman that was made for him, um, which is just insane (laughs) that the future Batman had a a clone body of himself prepared so that when, in the case that he needed to send the past Bruce's spirit back, it would have something to to inhabit. So that's pretty funny. Um, It's revealed that the, that this Robin robot over the course of the issue is actually Bruce's not Bruce the the future Batman's consciousness prior to the death of his parents which we saw in one of the tie-ins last week um and so the logic of this is kind of doesn't make any sense because because he knows that they're murdered (laughs) yeah he still knows and so like if you think about it for like more than a second, it just kind of falls apart, but it is kind of like a funny, sweet, very comic booky idea, you know, that this is just this idealized version of, a of a, again, not Bruce Wayne, but like, you know, the Bruce Wayne child archetype, the, the innocence of youth is essentially what this Robin represents, which is kind of what all Robins I think are sort of supposed to represent. They don't, it's not always that, but that's kind of the idea. So um it, it it's an it's a funny it's an interesting um idea um they are uh flying through pluto trying to reach uh trying trying to get to the bat cave um and they run into all of these uh, different villains there's some pretty great ones um there's a clay face analog called meta clay um there's laughter which is the joker analog the jo- uh-huh yeah there's a uh 
there's a Riddler analog who is like a city <laughs> named <laughs> he's just Riddle City. Uh, the best one though is Dice God, the six faced judger yes. by fate. Um. <laughs> uh, Definitely, like, extremely Morrisonian, um, which I, based off Vince's inter- uh, the, the interview with Jurgens, maybe um, some of these ideas were Morrison that he that he gave them. Um, well, I, I think in- it was in, oh. uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, I think it was in the Legion issue that Morrison is actually credited as the time trapper. Like in the credits, oh, and so okay. I, I think that's a, yes. like a, just like a, a tip of the cap to like yes, Morrison was super involved with all of these. Sure, sure. Um, this issue wraps up uh, with the an appearance of a future Catwoman. Um, she's going to help them, which is fitting because that's the next issue we're going to talk about. Um, you guys have anything to say in particular about Batman? The Toy Wonder is pretty great. Toy Wonder's yeah, yeah. great. Um, the overall aesthetic, so it's supposed to be a one million issue, but this just screams like 90s Batman to me, um, which it should. It's This is a story from the 90s, but like I'm talking about like the aesthetics seen in the future remind me of those uh, 90s Batman action figures like the Arctic Shield, um, <laughs> yes. you know, yes. the different... Yeah. Like this total, it's just totally the look and feel of an action figure set piece, and I think that's what comics should usually be. <laughs> so, it's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that these three issues we're gonna get sort of back to back to back here. They work as one whole story, but because um, because this is the first set of stories that we have that are set in the um in the one million verse i think they feel a little bit maybe more interesting than they would be if these came out like in the fourth week does that make sense like this is because this all feels very fresh Mm -hmm. and new i don't think these are necessarily great issues they're not bad issues you know they're just i think this week's reading list was far inferior to last week's reading list yeah i agree one thing I didn't mention kind of along those lines, I forgot that that it it really only lasts for like a couple of pages, but Batman is kind of participating in his challenge, which the challenges are just to me like a huge swing and a miss. Just like over the course of the ones that we see in this week's reading are just almost like non-starters. They're, they're glossed over. They're not. It, I I kind of expected the challenges to be like a much bigger part of the story, and I was really surprised that, you know, we're we're just with the structure of the series. You know, we don't even see the you know Prime Justice League at all in the second and third issues of DC One Million. It's all focused on like the present day stuff, and now we're getting into the tie-ins about these characters and the that whole story conceit is kind of just glossed over. I feel like what's especially weird about that Zach is that it's not like I could understand if they were supposed to do these like feats and they get there and they find out that there's this virus that was sent back in time. So they don't do the, so they don't do the challenges. Right. But that Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. They're still doing them, but they're just really inconsequential. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
yeah so it it's weird and and we'll we'll get more into that with the wonder woman and flash issues this yeah. week um but getting to the catwoman issue um written uh written by devin grayson illustrated by jim Bayland. um well actually it says story and pencils by Bayland and dialogue by grayson um i have not a lot to say about this issue um there's a lot of techno jargon in this issue there's that a kind lot of, of 1998 techno jargon yeah yeah it's it's all it's borderline nonsensical in some places it's like just weirdly grafting techno speak onto real life circumstances like she's trying to break into the bat cave and she's like I must execute this program and insert into the <laughs> matrix to reach the Batcave. And it's just like, which is not at all. what's really, ha- yeah. Right. It's just like, I'm getting into the Batcave. <laughs> at one point she's um, like, what sort of 404 error is this? Yes. Yes. yes great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is some like interesting, like body horror stuff with this, like, what I was I was thinking was maybe going to be like a Harley Quinn future Harley Quinn analog, but Same. I don't think was really supposed to be. But she has this like weird robot blade arm thing grafted into her back. Um, I've been playing a lot of Bloodborne lately, yeah. and it was just like, man, this is like Cyber Bloodborne right now. Um, oh, that's a good idea. They need to do it. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is I think the slightest of of these issues basically all you need to know is that catwoman gets them to the back cave yes yes uh and this is where we begin to see i think that there are two sorts of um i don't say inconsequential but less consequential issues that we're going to get from this batch there are the issues like this one which are clearly just helping to push a plot point along but like there was nothing to do in the Catwoman issue, so they just took a plot point and dragged it out over the over the course of twenty pages, even though there was no need for it. And then you get the different kind of inconsequential issues, which we'll get to in a while, which have no connection to the overall plot whatsoever, and are just looks into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Catwoman does escape. Um, she hijacks a ship and kills a. A, he kills an, an alien version of Killer Croc um, and, and escapes and uh, with the presumption that next issue Bruce is going to use the boom suit uh, which is a very 90s action figure uh, Batman <laughs> yes. costume to, to take him to the Justice League headquarters but um, doesn't work out quite as well as expected which we'll see in Robin 1 million which is written by Chuck Dixon illustrated by Staz Johnson. Um, and Almost in my son Staz. Did you? No. I've never heard the name Of course Staz not. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Brian. Um, <laughs> so this um, being a Robin-centric issue, of course, has to feature the Joker trying to kill him. Um, or not the Joker, in this case, the... What was his name again? The laughter. The, the laughter. I wanted to call him the laugher, which would be much funnier. <laughs> the yuckster. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so 
Um, yeah, so this uh, issue opens up with Robin fighting all these uh, criminals who are who are, who have escaped from their their cells on Pluto. Uh, Bruce is trying to figure out how to to um, use the boom suit to to link up with the JLA headquarters. Which Brian, you said that. This was this is the continuity error you were talking about. Yeah, it's just because he he finds out in this issue where the headquarters was, even though in the Batman issue he says where the, he already knows that. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. it's very May, small. Yeah, yeah. Um. So. So there's like a, a hologram projection of the future Batman. Um who who talks to bruce and kind of gives him this pep talk i guess sort of um while uh the laugher not the laugher laughter brings in <laughs> uh, brings in robin the toy wonder um and basically bruce is like has this dilemma you know is he going to save robin or is he going to teleport to the justice league headquarters and he ends up giving laughter the boom suit in exchange for robin and laughter teleports himself into outer space and i guess dies <laughs> um on the way back to his home planet of yeah on the way yeah yeah um so bruce saves robin uh, but he is severely injured um and he doesn't have the boom suit so uh he ends up instead um Robin helps it leads him to I guess like another bat ship and uh, the Omnibat um, I think is what it's called yes. and they fly out of Pluto um, with the help of okay no so they 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 take the Omnibat and run into a group uh, a group of weird mice people um, led by a guy named Flan Flanagan. Um, Walt Flanagan. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, who who have a spaceship and they uh, Flanagan uh, uses his spaceship to to fly them off Pluto in to Jupiter, and that uh, the issue ends with um, Robin seemingly maybe dying, maybe just shutting down. He's a robot; it's unclear. Um, but it's you know sad, <laughs> I guess, and we'll we'll find out what happens next in DC One Million Number Four. It says Vince already knows, but we don't. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. So any any thoughts on Robin? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I the, I guess what we what we kind of already said, which is that this week's slate of books is uh, weaker than the one before. I think that as a triptych of stories uh, that are supposed to be kind of important to Batman's story and the story of One Million, I think this is so much weaker than the the ones that happened last time. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it is one issue story spread across three yes. issues. Yes, thank you. It is. Yeah. It's very decompressed in that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it, it's all just getting Bruce from Pluto to the Justice League headquarters, mm-hmm. um, and and almost nothing of consequence happens other than finding out, you know, Robin's origin, 
and really that's that's pretty much i think the big takeaway um thankfully we do get some more robin in the next issue that we're going to talk about yeah um which is young justice one million written by peter david uh illustrated by todd knock angel unzetta uh craig rousseau and roberto flores um so there, there's a framing sequence that's illustrated by knock um and we see uh superboy one million uh who we have seen previously um showing up on pluto um which as uh in addition to being home to the bat cave and the the prison is also the headquarters of uh young justice and he teleports in um and runs into robin so i assume that this is supposed to take place uh prior to this story that we just read um i wasn't sure if it was supposed to be prior to or if it was the idea that this robin could be downloaded into new bodies and so therefore this is after i presume before that's but. highly that's highly possible that that could be right the the timing this is one of those uh tie-ins that we're going to start getting to that are like largely inconsequential to the main story and are mostly just fun um and this issue is a lot of fun um so we have uh the reason that Superboy has come to Pluto is because he thinks he has a lead on um, the location of an original Young Justice member who is here in the future. Uh, but we find out Robin has already found him. He's um, encased in the stasis tube that's labeled Young Justice, uh, specifically <laughs> original member of Young Justice, but we don't know who it is. Um we meet the impulse of the 853rd century who is the collected thoughts of all the speed force users like just their random uh stray thoughts that are that are going through the speed force which is pretty great he hitches a ride and and superboy's head um and and so they're all kind of trying to figure out how to open up this stasis tube and find out who's inside um but in the in the meantime, they kind of get into an argument about which of their progenitors is the the greatest um, Young Justice character or, or member, um, and they each tell a story about you know their present day counterpart. And it each one is kind of a weird mashup of different events. So the the Superboy one uses Doomsday as its basis but it also ties in like some crisis red skies language um in the story superboy beats doomsday by punching the earth so hard that he moves it away from <laughs> yeah. doomsday which is like a very funny infinite crisis like tease for an event yes. that will happen in five years or whatever <laughs> yes yeah uh which is which is pretty fun um the robin story which looks fantastic um this is the craig rousseau illustrated story it looks just like batman the animated series um this is like a mashup of final night nightfall no man's land (laughs) yeah night night yeah nightfall as well um and i i think they even mentioned like zero hour like one of the characters says this is yeah this is the zero kept saying hour, yeah. it's our zero hour yeah so it, <laughs> it smashes up like a lot of different things but yeah so there's there's a sun eater who is literally like a giant monster in space who eats the sun um 
there bruce slips on ice and breaks his back um and so <laughs> he has to like go around in this full body cast uh which is just literally like a full it is it is a cast that covers his entire body and has a bat symbol on it um the just characters like in snyder's justice league yep oh my gosh you're right <laughs> fantastic um <laughs> the heroes like all lose their powers and then like surreptitiously get them back. And then uh, true to any crisis, you have to have the, um, the magic characters come in. Uh, Dr. Fate seals away the sun leader, sun eater after they basically do a Heimlich maneuver on him to get him to cough up the sun, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, the last one is the impulse story which is i guess in name only tied to millennium but it's about a giant chicken named the millennium chicken <laughs> who is like a samurai and, and shoots out giant eggs um it's the shortest story it's a, it's a good gag though um but in why you know while all this is happening they're still trying to get the stasis tube open they muck it up they incinerate whoever, like whatever poor character is inside that that tube. We never know who it is. Um, and the issue ends with a, a good gag of them standing in the footprint of, I guess, the Millennium Chicken. <laughs> yes. Um, very fun issue. I liked it a lot. Yeah, this was the like sort of light, fluffy issue that was just so much fun you can't help but just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's just the right kind of nutty. Yes. Yeah. Um, the next issue is nutty, but like a different kind of nutty. <laughs> but I think still the right kind. Why don't, we take, yeah. why, don't, why don't we take a break before the next issue? Okay. Because I feel like we're going to fly through these last seven or so issues pretty quickly. Yeah, I so think let's, so. Let's take a break. We'll be back with, uh, with the next nutty issue a pun based nutty issue right after this hello everybody my name is mike and i'm greg and together we are robots from tomorrow a twice weekly podcast appearing at multiversitycomics.com each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on wednesday that are worth your attention and each month we dissect the previous catalog we also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like dan Klaus' ghost world and jack kirby and mike royer's commanding and if that's not enough we also do creator interviews some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature mike mignola leila del duca sean martin bro emma Beebe, and greg rucka so that's a lot of content for everybody please subscribe Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back. Uh, we're going to jump right into Green Arrow 1 million. So, Zach, take it away. Yeah, so we've got Green Arrow 1 million written by Chuck Dixon, illustrated by Frank Taran, uh, who is someone I'm not familiar with, uh, is a fantastic artist, but uh, apparently, um, as Vince well, would say, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oops. I mean, uh, great, great looking issue. It looks so good. Like This it, might be it the looks best looking like, issue. It reminds me of Michelle Fife a little bit. 
like the Cobra yeah. stuff. Sure. Um, that's kind of what it, it reminds me of with like a little bit of um, uh, who's Tom Cioli, just like a little mm. bit, I think is kind of what it reminds me of. But um, yeah, this Green Arrow issue uh, is in the future. It's about the um, the descendants of Oliver Queen who um, sort of create this whole society of Green Arrows. Um, and the, the framing of this issue is that it's kind of a, a vision that Connor Hawk is experiencing while he's meditating. Um, and the villain of this issue is the Grod child, uh, who's the leader of these, this, uh, the, the race of intelligent gorillas in the future who are all cybernetic and, and evil. Um, <laughs> there's kind of two main, uh, arrows that this follows, um, Hawk and his sister Canera, um, who Canary gets kidnapped, and in order to save her, Hawk has to uh, use his astral shaft uh, for some diabolical plan that the Grodd child has, um, which uh, we find the Grodd child takes Hawk to the Fortress of Solitude, and we find out that Grodd child wants him to shoot the Prime Superman, our Superman, not the one who's come back from the sun, but the one who has time traveled to the future, uh, who is in the fortress, which is the first time we've seen Superman in the future um, in this story. Um, he wants him to use the astral shaft to possess Superman so that Grodchild will be able to control Superman. Um, he's about to do it, but then Canera reaches out to him because she uh, has freed herself. She pulls some... Uh, Aquaman befriending of the marine life, which is very cool. Um, and so Hawk uses the astral shaft on Grodchild instead and uh, saves the day, shakes hands with Superman. The Green Arrow legacy lives on. And the issue ends, interestingly, with uh, the realization that if uh, Oliver Queen's children in the future not just connor hawk but other children as well go on to found this uh green arrow society that oliver queen must be alive which i think this predates the kevin smith green arrow book by at least a year maybe two years i think about two years yeah yeah which is interesting i don't know what's going on in the green arrow book at all at this point uh, in time, but I wonder if that's something that the the return of Oliver Queen was something that was being teased for a while. Um, I really liked this issue a lot. What did you guys think? Yeah, definitely, and and especially just for how it looked. I mean, it's so good looking that you know I'd look at it all day. So, so I, I almost don't even care what the words say. <laughs> yeah, but but I, the story was really good in in itself. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think this does a nice job of balancing the sort of hypothetical one million characters. You know, this 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 is a fun thing of oh, what happens to the Green Arrow characters? It, it, it's a it's a cool future story, but it also does a nice thing with the Superman bits in it. It looks beautiful. This is. This again is not a 
you could have read the event and skipped this and lost nothing, but it's one of the better reading events, uh, reading issues you'll read in this in this whole event. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was probably my second favorite issue, actually, of the week um, that I read. Is that um, counting DC 1 million? Yeah, honestly. Um, Can I guess your number one? We're about to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not was my it guess. not going to be your guess? What was no. your guess? Uh, I was going to guess the Wonder Woman issue. Uh, oh, no, actually. Um, I, nah, I was I Zach's did. the Legion boy. Yeah, I didn't actually love that issue very much, but we'll get to it. Um, no, now we're going to talk about the Legionnaires, one million, written by Tom Payer, illustrated by Sean Phillips. Um, yes, very good looking issue. Very big high concept here, um, which it definitely makes sense that Morrison is credited as the time trapper here. This issue is a little confusing because the narration yeah. starts off. Um, with Brainiac, this version of Brainiac, Brainiac 417, talking to a um, a Superboy um, about the 853rd century, which will exist in 1,000 years. Um, so it, the narration begins in the past, but the story is in the present of the 853rd century. Um, we find out that... The United Planets have uh, evolved into the United Galaxies, but there's still seven planets left that make up the the original United Planets. Um, most of them are merged worlds from the Legion. Uh, so Kalu is... I'm not going to go all through all these. <laughs> It'll take too long. No. Um, but we have a, a Brainiac... Uh, who is a mashup of, um, you know, the Kaluans and then the uh, the Begizzles, which are the there's a Legion character who can become intangible, so they're they're a mashup of that. Um, we have Daxamites that uh, get merged with Imsk because and so they're they're small little uh, Daxamites. The Implicate Girl, which is a take on Triplicate Girl, but this the entire uh, world exists in a tesseract within her third eye and she can call upon the knowledge of the three trillion citizens in the city, which is fantastic. Uh, Titan, which is where Saturn, Saturn girl is from, um, is now represented by Titan girl. And she is a, a kind of a weird character to understand. I feel like, but Titan is now like a nursing home for all the, the psychics and they give rich people, fantasies of heaven i guess <laughs> i don't know um chameleon is uh a world that's closed off and uh behind a full communications blackout and protective coloration uh their inclusion in the united plants is a mystery uh umbra which is like a living shadow is from a uh, a world that is still tribal and religious based and bound by fundamentalism, which will play into the story. And then um, Braille, which is the where Cosmic Boy is from, um, evolved through magnetic magnetism, which is like the most comic book thing ever. They all became metal, uh, which, uh, man. Scott should bring this back for uh, 
for death metal um and it's headed up by cosmic bot which is a a robot um the the story begins um with a villain named agent if who uses a toddler's toy to warp reality he can make anything happen by just saying uh, essentially like well if i said this or if this was the case if this happened then he can make it happen which is fantastic um he teleports himself inside the sun and starts mucking things up um but ends up ifing himself out of existence accidentally um but uh the sun is going to explode um and their ship the legion ship is also going to explode so a chameleon has to go against his religion to <laughs> shapeshift into a bigger shapeshift, uh, bigger spaceship to save them. Uh, there is um, the dreamer is seeing all of this, which the the dreamer in this is a a woman with a TV screen for her brain, and they can all watch what she's dreaming about. Um, Cosmic Bot has a uh, has a sarcophagus that holds wild, the, the spirit of wildfire, the Legion character, and we see him throughout the years. Um, and this is where we first see the the Superboy that Brainiac 417 was talking to. Um, these metal-eating monsters break into the core of Braille. Uh, Umbra has to save the Dreamer. Um, and then... Um, the issue the all of this crazy stuff is happening and and eventually uh the issue ends with brainiac 417 going a thousand years into the past to find the superboy of the 843rd century uh, so they can do a thing <laughs> <laughs> uh that's as quickly and succinctly as I can describe that issue. Um, it will be continued in the Legion of Superheroes 1 million. Uh, the next issue of Legionnaires 1 million and 1 will have the Phantom Mon Elves, which I can't wait to read about. <laughs> um, this this was fantastic. I loved every bit of this. It was wild and wacky. These characters were extremely well designed and a lot of fun to read about. I, I love this issue. This is Outside of maybe like the Morrison stuff, this is my favorite tie-in so far. Yeah, it's. I think it's up there for me. Sure. Nah. <laughs> it's fine. You know what? It's, it's just it, there's. I feel like there's a certain base level of Legion fandom you need for this to really trip your breaker, and I don't have that level of Legion fandom. I guess so. I just feel like this is easily like the most Morrisonian of any of these tie-ins so far. Um, sure. The ideas are so big and so fun. Yeah, and like, you know, I giggled at the Mon Elves and all of that. You know, that's, that, that's that's all in good. It just seems to me like this is the worst of both worlds in a way where it has nothing to do with the event it, itself. So it's completely pulling you out of that. But it's also impenetrable. <laughs> and so... If you're if you're not a Legion super fan, there's a lot of this that just had me. I, I know who a lot of these characters are, but I don't have the affinity for them. So I felt like, okay, so I'm not reading anything that matters, nor am I reading anything I really care about. 
So I'm just reading a lot of text, just a just a lot of text, just a wall of text. I guess I just think I think the story itself is really fun. I think the agent if is a really great villain. I think everything that happens, I think, is just like pure comic goodness. I I I guess like if you don't have an attachment to Legion characters, that it may not be as enjoyable. But they're all like so tangential to Legion characters that. I feel like they kind of stand on their own. I don't know. That's that's my read, but I, I can definitely respect not liking this. I didn't dislike it. It just wasn't... It didn't do it for me. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe the next issue will do it for you. Well, so can I introduce the next issue, uh, introduce the, the credits of it, and then I, I, I want the first word on this issue, Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, so next is uh, Azrael One Million, written by Denny O'Neill. Rest in peace. Yes. Uh, he's for a real, real one. For a real one, absolutely. Y- yeah, uh, illustrated by Vince Giarno. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go off. All right, so <laughs> reading this issue, it became clear that this version of Azrael is fulfilling a very specific archetype, not just in the DC universe, but in now the greater DC Warner home media world. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically superhero Kirby enthusiasm, where Asriel just walks into every situation, fucks it up, and then leaves, and doesn't really get any consequences for it. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Today I am a true angel, aren't I? <laughs> Can you see Larry putting on a new suit jacket and, and just like and just like looking in the mirror and just saying like, I'm an angel, you know, just uh, Yeah. yeah. This issue is nonsense. Like, if if the I has absolutely nothing to do with the the one million series, the the main plot line. Um, Asriel gets these wings that let him teleport through time and space. He teleports to a world of shit, gets covered in shit. He um he gets a sword, but he can't use it. He he kills a lot of people. He messes everything up. He does everything that he's not supposed to do. Uh, he does go see Catwoman. Um, he is so inept and like bumbling and foolish. And the I don't even know what the moral of the story is supposed to be. The, he is told not to do several things and he does all of them. But one of them is not to go back to a place where he has been so that there will be two of him, which he does. Um because it said once if he does that he will see the the face of evil or the source of evil um and he does this anyway and his handlers i don't i don't really know she she comes and talks to him and there's this part where she okay so he's fighting and he says but you told me to seek out evil and destroy it and she says no i told you to recognize it and he says, I do. That's evil if I ever saw. And he's pointing to himself. And then she pulls out a hand mirror and says, the ancient says, artifact is called a mirror. What, he'll look into it. What do you see? And he says, the evil. 
<laughs> and then he she says, blink your eyes, and he says, the evil blinked too. <laughs> I don't know what this is, or what it's trying to say, but it, it essentially just ends with him and himself. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Keep talking, keep talking. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> I just don't... Denny, what were you doing? I was... When I got to this issue, and I saw Denny O'Neill wrote it, I read it today, and I was like, oh, man, let's let's hope that Denny knocks us out of the park so we can give him a proper tribute as one of the most important people in the success of Batman and DC Comics in history. Let's Come on, Denny, give us something good to talk about. And then it's this. Provider <laughs> and... of one million issues of Asriel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is our next reading project. So. Oh, no. Uh... Oh, man. Any, anything else to say about Asriel? Uh... No, no. I just you mentioned the mirror part, which was so funny because that's like the, that's like the Twitter joke. Uh, that's a mirror, you know. You're trying to insult somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, if only he had pointed at himself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Would have been better. Absolutely. Um, next, we've got Chase number one million, uh, written by DC Johnson. Which I almost wondered if that is like a pseudonym, like a pen name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah um, that's that's johnny dc yeah <laughs> yes yeah Ooh. um uh illustrated by jh williams the third much closer to the jh williams the third we're familiar with than the chronos issue i think yeah um, getting there yep you, you start the to see some are... of the layouts exactly yeah yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah yeah um so i i'm not familiar with like, like with Kronos, I'm not familiar with the Chase series of this era. It seems like it had to do with the DEO. And, it is, uh, yeah. It's, and, it's, it's the DEO book of this era. Yeah, yeah. So um, the book is about these three uh, DEO agents um, who are tracking down this criminal who uses icons, which I think this is the first time that icons are mentioned in the the crossover so far. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, but will play a part in some later issues, which essentially they're like, I guess, kind of like programs or apps, I guess closer to apps that give people powers of specific issues. So like this villain uses one that is uh, Liberty Bell and then another that seems like it's Blue Devil and then a- another one that's booster like gold. Yeah, yeah, there's a booster gold one. Um, he ends up using an ambush bug one to teleport and ends up teleporting himself into a wall and, and, and dying. And so, uh, the DEO agents get brought back to headquarters and have a debriefing with the skull, which I guess is like the black or no, Mr. Bones. Yes. It's it's like the, it's the 1 million version of Mr. Bones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, they, they think they have a lead. There was a name that this criminal mentioned, Cheeto. Um, and, uh, they kind of check the headnet records, which is, which are like, is like the internet that everyone is connected to. But Chase looks for people who are disconnected from the headnet, um, and finds a, a hit for a Cheeto Delamar who was disconnected for, for crimes that he had committed. Um, they go to his house on Mars, I think. Yeah, on Mars. And um, 
confront him because they think he sold these uh, counterfeit icons. Um, and he kind of talks about what it's like having to live without his headnet connection. He only has, you know, megabytes of data as opposed to terabytes uh, because he only has books and he's having to live this life, which actually looks fantastic to me to just live in this old awesome house on Mars with just thousands and thousands of books. Yes. But to him, it's hell, um, which is like a really fun commentary a lot like what this event is doing it, it this event has this weird running commentary about i guess like dependence on technology and like the way very like prescient of like where things have gone with social media and stuff like it's it's a little hokey because it's written in the late 90s but it's i think it's interesting some of the stuff that that will come across in the books um but we find out that it was actually the the man's daughter um, who had made the the icons, and she uh, she escapes, and um, but before doing so, kind of gives a you know a, a kind of a speech about like how awful the system is how bad cops are basically is um like what she does and it kind of like shakes chase to the core and she's like what are we even doing is this all worth it is this right am i bad and she she like takes these these questions that she's having back to skull and skull basically tells her i was once where you were and i had these same questions and then i became the skull and you will now be the skull and um I, yeah, it it's an interesting issue. I mostly enjoyed it just for the art. Um, the art was fantastic. Yeah, the art's yeah. really, really good on this. And I think the issue is... Um, I don't think you need to know anything about... Unlike the Legion issue, I don't think you need to know anything about Chase or the DEO to understand what's happening in this issue. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really good one and done, I think. And I've heard that Chase series is quite good too. I've heard um, the same thing. Um, th this was a time when DC was really trying some stuff, and I think we see that it's like over and over again as we're going through all these books. Just you know, the fact that there was a Chase series, and there were you know, there was an Azrael series, and there were was this was there still two Legion series at this point? There were, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Legion of Superheroes and Legionnaires, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you still have Starman going. You have all the legacy characters taking over the Flash and Green Arrow and Green Lantern. So there, there was a lot of fun stuff happening at this time yeah. in DC. Yeah, uh, the 90s were good. Um, <laughs> you've convinced me, and I'm going to beat that drum forever. I'm going to read all <laughs> the 90s comics. Hell That's yeah. Not true. That's not true. Yes, you will. No, not all of them. Chase Some is... Chase is back in Bendis's uh, Superman. Yeah, yes, you're right. And the original series is only nine issues, um, and it does look like they were all illustrated by J. H. Williams the uh, Third. Okay, D. Curtis Johnson is uh, apparently the writer's full name, so I guess maybe not a pseudonym. I don't know. Um, no, it's a real guy. Yeah, it looks good. I actually might read this. Nine issues, that's nothing. 
That, that's an afternoon. Yeah. yeah. That's that's before bed I do that. Okay. You probably do triple that, you freak. <laughs> yeah, you weirdo. <laughs> I've got to read all 1,000 chapters of One Piece first, but... Um, <laughs> mark my words, I'm doing it, folks. Um, any, anything else about Chase? Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, next, we have uh, Creeper 1 Million, uh, written by uh, Lynn Kaminsky, not to be confused by Fred Leminsky. <laughs> Frank, Frank, Frank Leminsky. Leminsky. Come on. Uh, not to be confused. Uh, illustrated by Sean Martinbro. Man, well, this is maybe, I think, the worst one. It looks really interesting. Like this looks like nothing else in this in this event. Yeah. And, and I could get behind some of the visual choices made here, but this story is dog shit. Yeah, I mean like essentially just like the the future creeper goes back in time finds the current creeper and Jack Ryder who have split and there are a lot of other creepers running around too. And future creeper goes around eating them. Um, Jack Ryder refuses with the creeper and is good again. And future creeper goes back and that's it essentially. Um, yeah, um, my only comment for this issue is that uh, the creeper is bad Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's good. Nice fucking comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You you yeah. said it, pal. Not. Yeah, that's good. I think that's all that needs to be said. Uh, then we get to Wonder Woman 1 million. Um, written by our one of our faves, Christopher Priest. Uh, illustrated by Michael Collins. Um, with the Mike Deodato cover. For all those Deodato heads out there. Um, yeah. I'm interested. I think it's interesting, Brian, that you thought that this was going to be my favorite. Because I actually didn't care for this issue very much um so what, we do see wonder woman oh go ahead what i was going to say was i feel like this issue did a couple of things that i really liked uh mm -hmm. and i also think that the art was very classic looking i think some of the yeah. art in this week in particular has not been super um evocative of what i think of when i think of these characters Whereas this felt sure. like a one, like both in tone and in visuals, this felt like a Wonder Woman comic to me. Yeah, I can see that. Um, the 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 issue centers around Wonder Woman's trial, which is essentially just fighting with the Amazons. Which uh, in the, in the future, the Amazons have taken over Venus. Men are not allowed. It's a whole planet without men. Sounds like it is probably. Very successful. You would um, say very sexy. <laughs> no, not sexy. Well, 
We see, we see where Brian's brain is. No, just the um, way you started that with the, uh, the, yeah. Very nice. Exactly. Um, no, just probably a very highly successful society where a lot of things get get done, and uh, it's probably nice. Um, but because the Amazonians are immortal, they're the same characters that Wonder Woman knows in her time. So Artemis is there, Hippolyta is there. Um, but they seem to have lost a little bit of their humanity. They're much more like the kind of capricious gods that Wonder Woman often has to deal with. And they fight real hard and real mean. And then they go to the, the Purple Ray Temple to heal up. Um, Artemis uh, finds a, a kind of discrepancy in the makeup of Wonder Woman, um, which kind of begins this plot thread that it seems like we're going to be seeing where just as the justice legion in the in the past has kind of met with some skepticism the the prime justice league that are now in the future are also kind of uh the people are very skeptical of whether or not they actually are who they are um uh, but we find out that the purple ray has been sabotaged um it's been infected so that when it interacted with diana it kind of changed from a healing ray to a death ray and it kills all the Amazonians, not all of the Amazonians, but the, the injured Amazonians, which uh, causes them to turn on Diana because they think she's at fault. Uh, Hippolyta is the only one who sticks up for her. Uh, Diana flees and finds Magala, the mystic, who's a character I'm not familiar with, but I'm sure Vince knows all about. Not really. I don't have much recollection. Oh, well they seem like they're really good friends. Um, mm. But she takes her back to her Jack Kirby cave. Um, and uh, Wonder Woman comes back. They have a plan to fix the Purple Ray uh, by essentially Diana getting herself killed so that when they use the ray, it will bring it'll fix itself and bring her back to life. Um, which seems like a stretch, but it does work and it also brings back the other Amazonians. Um, but it seems like, there is some kind of foul play. Some someone is working against them. I think. I guess we assume that it is Solaris. That I mean is the only thing that makes sense. I think. Um, but she saves the day, and and everything is good again. Vincy, I have a question for you as the Wonder Woman expert of the bunch. Oh boy. Okay. No. Did did Priest write many issues? No, I don't think so. In fact. This might be the only one. I don't remember him having a run. I can Google it real quick while you guys are talking. Uh, but no, no, I, no, I don't think it's all that important. I think it's just, you know, I was curious I don't, if you knew offhand. No, I don't remember him having a run. He may have done an issue here and there. I remember reading the one million when I read all the Wonder Woman issues. Um and I am going to look it up because I'm, I've am i got it right here. Let's see. He wrote Wonder Woman 137 and 138. So just like a two-issue a two arc somewhere and then one million. So, okay, interesting. So there you go. What did you think of this issue, Vincey? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't think it's, you know, not one of my top, top favorites. But I do think um, it approximates a 
a version of a very common Wonder Woman type story. I think it folds in a lot of Wonder Woman elements that that um, feel true to her character. And um, I think the plot is very much it's a it's a very silver agey Wonder Woman plot. Uh, I think so. I, I think I think he does a good job of writing to the character, and I think uh, it is like there's like one extra step of convolution to it all, which is pre-mo, you know. So I think it's a I think it's a good solid Wonder Woman comic, and I think it's a good priest con- like it's 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 what he does, and it's what Wonder Woman does, and and they actually went pretty well together. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Any, anything else? No. No, I'm good. Okay. Um, well, now we're going to kind of start to wind down. We've got two more issues that kind of form a loose two-parter. Um, the first of which is Power of Shazam 1 million, written and illustrated by Jerry Ordway. Um, this one takes place on Mercury and um, opens up with a character who stumbles upon the Rock of Eternity uh, for the first time that someone has been there in millennia. Um, And we've talked about before how information data is currency, and she is kind of hoping to use this discovery to kind of break out of essentially poverty. Um, uh, Her and her son who... Um, like uh, young Freddie has a uh, leg injury um, and um, she they she's going because she doesn't have a chip implanted in her head I guess which is important she has to go document the discovery but this other guy who is just kind of a huge jerk um (laughs) co-ops the discovery um kidnaps her son uh and and has him and and takes him back to the rock of eternity and kind of stakes his claim which in doing so alerts other people to its, its existence and they they want to come and interact and it's almost kind of turns the rock of eternity into like a theme park or like an amusement park and the the villainous character the, or the antagonist is hoping to like make money off of that um all of this ends up waking up captain marvel and um he just doesn't want to have any of this um and he's also sort of like uh, he's also sort of like um experiencing some memory loss through all of this yeah yeah he he's waking up from a big long nap and if you're anything like me you're a little groggy when you when you first wake up and that's that's what's happening with him here he's he's a little groggy um the the future characters are very like interested in his his symbol or his icon someone uses uh, laser eyes to cut his beard off so that they can see his lightning bolt and they all think he's the flash or or a flash related character um uh captain marvel ends up um helping uh helping the boy to escape um where he he finds that his mom has been trampled in the stampede of people who are trying to get into 
the Rock of Eternity, which is really sad. It, it, it's um, sort of treated like, oh no, there's a dead, there's a dead mom. Let's let's move yeah, on. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, but um, Captain Marvel ends up deputizing uh, the boy to to become a a new Marvel family character, and um, the issue ends with um there being a blackout all of the the i think the head net goes down the video screens all go down the cameras everything is it's info silence um and so uh captain marvel and this new marvel of the future uh rush off to try to get to the bottom of things i think it's interesting that uh the power of shazam issue and the flash issue are paired up in this thing yeah i i do too i i mean i guess it kind of makes some weird sense just like in terms of like iconography i can see what they're going for but it it really is kind of a weird weird mashup yeah especially since the flash the the one million flash kind of spe- um has such a large role in this thing and and as we said last week is an already established character so you would think that they would find mo- uh, you'd think that they'd have found another angle for the flash stuff uh it, as far as tie-ins go but i guess not i, I mean it's fine the way that it is is fine but um yeah. i just thought that i thought that was kind of an interesting move so the most interesting part of this to me has almost nothing to do with this issue. But so in 1996, the Power of Shazam annual featured a story very similar to this, where it's the distant future and Billy is still... The year 2000? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, old chum. Uh, so the future, it, Brian? <laughs> so it's um, it's you know the, the distant future Captain Marvel, and he basically anoints a new champion called thunder um which is uh her her character's name is cc beck which is the name of captain marvel's creator mm-hmm. um and uh this issue feels like just a worse version of that issue not that this issue is terrible but it just i think that issue does the sort of same story pretty well and this is a couple of years after that so i wonder if they were like hey remember when you did that do that again for this but this mm-hmm. one just feels a little bit less yeah. uh less well thought out yeah yeah it's it's fine I don't, I don't have a lot to say about it good okay. to move on to the flash yeah i think so okay um so wrapping things up for tonight we have the flash one million written by mark wade and mike friedrich uh Illustrated by Michael Jan Friedman. No, that is wrong. Written by Mike Wade, Mark Wade, Mike Friedrich, and Michael Jan Friedman. Mm-hmm. Illustrated by Josh Hood. Um, so this issue finds the Flash on Mercury. He is participating in his challenge, which is a race with himself, which was very goofy and flashy and comic booky. It was it was fine probably the best of the challenges so far but also just like just such a small part of the issue that it is almost of no consequence um yeah. we uh we find the future versions of 
Captain Cold and Heat Wave, um, which um, interestingly, uh, in line with um, Josh Williamson's run on Flash, Captain Cold is Commander Cold now. Um, and they are being influenced by uh, an unknown benefactor who is um, who, who kind of recruits them to go after the Flash. Um, they are responsible for the the blackout that we saw at the end of uh, Power of Shazam. Um, they they fight the Flash. It's it's really like a pretty bog standard Flash versus the Rogues fight. Um, takes up the majority of the issue um, leading to the Flash coming to the uh, kind of slum area that we saw in Powers of Shazam, makes his way to uh, the Rock of Eternity where he is met by Captain Marvel and the new Marvel. Um, They fight Commander Cold and Heat Wave and they win. And they use uh, the power of the Rock of Eternity and a, a new treadmill to um, to uh, reverse the damage done by Commander Cold and, and Heat Wave. They had uh, started. Uh, they they had created. They they had made Mercury begin a rotation, uh, which Mercury does not uh, rotate; it's stationary, uh, which was really messing with the planet. So they, they fixed that. And uh, then they prepare to go off to the Justice Legion headquarters, uh, which it seems like the Marvels are going to join Flash. So it seems like we'll probably see them again in the future. But overall, I feel like this two-parter was pretty weak, um, even though it is like one of the more like story centric ones. It's kind of, it's kind of funny how this week was bookended by a story centric Batman story and a story centric flash story, but they were both of kind of like little consequence. I don't Mm -hmm. know. They're they're all, all of these stories are just there to get the characters from the point that they get deposited in the future to the justice Legion headquarters. Yeah, essentially. Um, so yeah, not great. Um, but at the same time, like I really did enjoy like quite a few of these issues that we read this week and I had like made the joke to you guys, like DC needs to do 1 million again. And I think like, it would be fantastic. Like I just want them to do 1 million too. Um, who would, who would, uh, who would be the Morrison of 1 million too? I want it to be Morrison. I want Morrison to do it. No, but if it can't be, if it can't be, I mean, like Orlando, probably Orlando yeah. is like quickly becoming my like Morgan Morrison surrogate. I think. Yeah, I think we've I think we've said that on the show before too. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, Orlando or or um or Gerard Way. Oh, Gerard Way could definitely do it. <laughs> or Hick- or Hickman. <laughs> yes, yes. Does one million? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but so, I, I mean, I would love we, to just. Sorry, oh, we couldn't ahead. give you. Sorry, we couldn't give you Legion. Here's one million. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, let let Hickman come in and just do one million as like the status quo. Like he just absolutely. He he like House of X is the DC universe, but it's yes. one million, and the entire universe is one million. Take my money. Fantastic. Um, but like it is, it's just I want to see. I mean, I one I think 
I don't know how One Million is going to end. I've never read it before, so I, I don't know how it's going to end. But it seems like a story that's just ripe for a sequel. Um, and I think it would be so fun 20 years later to revisit this future and do kind of the current DC, do a version of the current DC with this um with this kind of framing i think it i think it would be a lot of fun i think sideways one million yeah 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 Uh, it's surprising me how much like one million is like the five years later thing in future's end Mm. but better yes um and and i i would love to see some like i do kind of weirdly miss those themed months that dc did during the new 52 weirdly enough i am nostalgic now and miss that and i i would love to see them do one million again which is weird because so little of that was very good yeah i know but like the the, just the 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 promise and the concept and there always were like there were like five to ten good issues you know sure (laughs) yeah it might be overstating it a little bit but yeah out of I mean, out of fifty some, I'll I'll give you five to ten. I think so. Yeah, I think I think that that's totally reasonable. Like I can, just thinking about the futures in ones. You know, the the Grayson issue was good. Yes, um, it was. There was definitely, I think, like a. There were some of the. I know. I think I liked some of the Green Lantern ones. Um, I think there was like a Lex Luthor one that was really good. Or no, I'm, I think I'm thinking of like the Villains Week stuff. Yeah, man, we need to reread all of those. That'd be <laughs> so much fun. Um, definitely, when we get to Future's <laughs> End and uh, and uh, whatever that, what was that event? Forever Evil. We have to read all of those for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that. Uh, pig. That's all. I mean, that's all. I guess I have to say about these uh these issues i'm interested to see how it wraps up next week yeah definitely yeah i i i agree um i I was thinking about this the other day of like when the last time dc did something that felt this both like both fun and also like it would it would have implications beyond just the event and i feel like none of those dc months were that way like none yeah, of them felt like they no. had implications beyond but yeah those are always yeah fun. they were skip months for sure yes like if, you, if sure. you wanted to yeah yeah all right yeah. well that brings us to the end of this one so for next week we're going to be finishing out all of the um all the one million issues we're gonna be talking about Supergirl, Young Heroes in Love, Lobo, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Action Comics, Adventures of Superman, Superman Man of Tomorrow, Resurrection Man, DC 1 Million, Hitman 1 Million, Legion of Superheroes 1 Million, and the DC 1 Million 80-page giant. So all of that is available on DC Universe, so uh, go ahead and read along with us, and we'd love to hear what you have to say about this event. If you want to get in touch with us, two-thirds of us on Twitter, I am at Brian Aids an app. And I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, um, I didn't think about this until right this second. So let's see. What could Vince be doing right now? Um, you mean you premeditate these usually? Not really, but I usually think about it like a minute beforehand. Yeah. I, I got nothing right now. Uh, you, you can find Vince, um, <clears throat> I don't know, donating, yeah. donating to good causes that neither support that neither support right now 
And you should be like Vince and do that as well. Yeah, I did do that. I know you did. You're a good person. Well, thanks. And uh, we shall be we shall return next week to finish out DC One Million. So thanks for listening, folks. Who could forget Convergence Summer? <laughs>